You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM, crossing the Rubicon. Yes, folks. And as I say every week, it's another week. It's a great week. It's a great week to be alive. Yes, here at Dublin South FM, we bring you the best people that inspire us, people that have lived a life and want to share their knowledge and wisdom with you. Yes, you, the audience. There are people out there that care about you indeed. My next guest is going to be one of those people that is going to share some wisdom and knowledge with you. And I'm sure as you have know, know me and you know the books that I read, there has been books out there in the past like The One Minute Manager or Who Moved the Cheese. These are books that I think that everybody needs to read, especially in business, especially as you live your life. So my next guest is one of those books I suggest that you put on the Christmas list. Yes, the Christmas list. I've mentioned that earlier on today and I nearly got killed. I know we're only a couple of months away, but we are there. And it's Discover Your Money Temperament. Ted, welcome to Dublin South FM. Joe, it is a pleasure to be here. It is, yes, because, you know, I have read your book twice. 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 That's commendable. <laughs> That's wonderful. And I've got my little sticky notes and everything as well on it. And what I love about it is it's, you know, we all talk about wealth and we all talk about riches. And we know that there's a fine difference between wealth and riches. But to get there, you have to really get that thermometer and actually pop it into your financial situation and ask the question, what do I do? So in doing that, you were a financial advisor. You were helping people. and you had an epiphany, an awakening to kind of go, with your years of experience, how can I help? How can I help? So tell me, tell me your story. Tell me how you got to the point of writing the book and what you believe will be, and what you believe will help people to achieve their own wealth. Well, Joe, thanks so much. Um, I've been working with people and money my entire life, 30 plus years of experience. Uh, I came out of uh, college, uh, first in my family to go to go to university, uh, thought I was going to go out and take on the world. And to do so, I decided to do that via the United States military. So I took a commission as a fresh second lieutenant. My intention was to spend a couple of years to get some money to go to graduate school. And 21 years later, two graduate degrees and a wonderful career, I became a financial advisor. Now to backtrack a little bit, in the military, I traveled around the world. And I spent a good time, part of my time, working with young Marines and sailors to try to figure out why they were making such very human but ridiculous decisions with money. And that was the first time I had this, this mindset that I'm going, we're doing something wrong because I was trained in economics very traditionally that were rational thinkers. And every dealing I had with, with Marines making crazy decisions with money because they'd never had any training was also on the assumption that they were rational. Well, I had the opportunity to teach economics at the United States Naval Academy. And there I learned that really smart people some of the brightest young people in the United States can do incredibly stupid things with money. And it got them into trouble, uh, marital problems, retention, losing commissions. Uh, 
Later in my career, I was an aide to the United States Secretary of the Navy for Financial Management, and I got to work with our political class. Well, I know this isn't a real surprise to a lot of you out there, but politicians tend not to be terribly rational with money. And it, I just got into the back of it. It was like watching sausage being made. And, and you know, some of this stuff shouldn't be witnessed in polite company. And I got very frustrated, retired, and became a financial advisor. And as a financial advisor, I built two very successful firms. But I started very traditionally. And I was trained about product, 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 product. And if you have the right product, and it was pretty much a one-size-fits-all formula, and you just follow this formula, it will be amazing where you'll end up. Well, look around. How's that working out? And I became disenchanted with the traditional financial industry that it was not looking at people as people, but as a product recipient. What I love about you is your honesty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, as a very important footnote, I am trained in economics. I'm trained and licensed as a financial advisor. Now, I don't have my licenses anymore, but, but you know, I'm one of those that should get it. Well, I have made some ridiculous decisions with money. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, business owner. I'm still doing those types of things. And fortunately, my wife chronicles my journey through money discovery. And she has this running leisure of which I somehow will pay her back the money I've squandered and done crazy things with. And I do this for a living. So here's what I'd, I'd like to put to most of you. I was actually on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange when the market crashed about 10 or 15 years ago, watching some of the biggest brains get it wrong. I knew as a financial professional, I did this daily. I had access to all the research, all the product, all the experts, and we got it wrong. And then I got very disappointed and concerned working with my clients who came in and were giving me absolute trust. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, and this is a technical word, term for financial planning, this is BS. It's not working. Most people do not stay with their plan. Most people don't have a plan. We were trying to force people to do things in this cookie cutter approach that absolutely was not working. And the answer in the industry was, well, it's just another product. Just see somebody else. Have patience. It'll be okay. So uh, about 10 years ago, when the market melted down internationally, during a period of just people being people with money, and that is at the professional level, at the regulatory level, at the consumer level, everything melted down. And there I looked around, I said, I've got to start changing business as usual. So I wrote my first book. It was for my clients. And I started working with them from a very, very different perspective. I wanted to ask them just a few, one basic question. What is important about money to you? Good question. And then what gives you peace of mind in your chosen lifestyle? If I could spend time and really determine what's important about money to you and design a strategy to give you peace of mind in the chosen lifestyle that satisfies what's important about money to you, I have done my job. And I started doing this with my clients and they'd look at each other and go, man, this is brilliant. 
How come nobody's ever talked to me this way? And when I'm sitting with a couple, it wasn't unusual that they'd look at each other and go, I had no idea that this was important to you. It's interesting because, you know, we've we've spoke before and, you know, I've done a bit working with the military and the Navy, as you can see in the background, one of, the, one of my caps there, uh, souvenir, a lot of people ask me about. But, and I've seen people write checks for a mug of coffee. And I was kind of going, I'm just waiting for payday, just waiting for payday and this will, you know, and I kind of look at it and kind of go, you know, where have we gone wrong? You know, we teach a lot of stuff in schools and in our colleges, but we don't actually really teach, teach people about finances, about how to live. And we're in a society where it's been driven for people to live above and beyond their means, which then more debt, more debt, more debt, more debt, because they're trying to keep up with the Joneses. So what I sometimes feel like you could grab people, Ted, and shake them, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And go, what are we, what are we, what are we doing? Like, where do you start? Yeah. In in a nutshell, we're not doing anything. Let's call it what it is. The, The concept of financial literacy is technical technical knowledge. And let me use you, give you a metaphor, an idea. You drive an automobile or a motor car. In the front of it, there's something that makes the wheels go around. Now, I'm not an expert, not an engineer. I don't know what it is. And matter of fact, I've never seen the engine in my car. There are people that get paid to do that. And a little light goes on or somebody sends me a note and I go in and they change. I guess it's oil. Okay. But I'm not an expert. I take it on faith that that's what makes that happen. But I'm an excellent driver. At least I think I am. And and uh, I have driving skills, but I don't have to be an engineer to make the car drive. I also have a certain behavior as a driver that's unique to me. And it's different than the people around me. Now, in all Western cultures, we tend to respect and go for mentors and coaches and self-help in almost every discipline except money. I think that's ridiculous. We should also have the same attitude towards money as we do for health and diet. We accept the fact that we're emotional with our health and diet. Why not with money? So here's, here's the challenge we're facing. And this goes back to really economics after World War II, which is really kind of a very modeled after the military, very analytical, very rational, the Chicago School in and and it was all based on numbers and Samuelson and some of that crew Milton Friedman um, the rational man concept or was was the dominant attitude that that we will make rational decisions because we're, we're we're economic thinkers and we have this little spreadsheet in our mind and we always go through it well that's ridiculous it isn't just look around I mean we know that uh here in the United States we're getting ready for Black Friday which is a huge spending event. Well, we have pre-Black Friday. We just had uh, Labor Day. So we had Labor Day to get ready for Black Friday. And we had Black Friday in July. So right now in the United States, you can have a an opportunity for a spending orgy at least once a quarter. And, and, it, and it's all emotional. So I saw this in my clients. I saw them destroying their well-being 
with well-intended behavior that was wrong based on what they really felt was important about money. So I sat down and I started looking at this. And the first thing I found, I found really there are four, four factors that, that determine our success with money. The first is our biology. We're humans. Humans are emotional animals who think we are not thinking animals with emotions. The behavior that kept us alive in the forest eons ago is the same behavior we have today. All you've got to do is go to a football or a soccer match and watch the crowd yelling and screaming like maniacs at stuff that's going on at the pitch. And then on Monday, they put their banking suit on and they're rational, normal individuals. But for that one day, they were completely different because we're emotional beings. Money is a human construct, and it's only been around for a couple thousand years. It's a reflection of our humanness, our emotional. So as humans, our first priority is to stay alive and pass on our genes. Doing taxes, figuring out the small print on a credit card, or how to compute future and present value in your head as you're buying an extra markup on an automobile for a navigation system you neither will use or understand, we're not good at that. If you don't believe me, look around. Take a look at your closet, your garage, your attic. You know, I read something there last week that, you know, people would rather be mugs than get a letter from the government on revenue that they owe. Oh, absolutely. Uh, okay. And that kind of triggered with me. I went, oh, my God. People I mean, that's feel- that's the epitome of emotional, beha- emotional yeah, behavior, behavior is something that is, you know, it's in your face. Well, biology is, is key, and we're always going to be human with our money. That is number one. That's where it, it's triggering with me is that you're bang on. You know, it's mental health. It's fear. So there's a fear based in there as well. And there's an education. Yes. And, and that opens up the, the, the other three things I discovered. Doing my research, I've written three books on the subject. And, and by mid-adolescence, we pretty much have formulated non-consciously our emotional set points with money. By age three, we know that, that young toddlers can understand the concept of reward and punishment, which is an economic tra- transfer. And, and by middle school, 10 to 12, you're pretty much established in your mindset and belief set with money. And it's not so much the family, it is your peer group. A subset of that and the overarching trigger for money behavior is culture. And just look at the expansion of Western culture around the world in the last couple of decades, particularly with the the emphasis of of social media and and how technology allows me to watch a entrepreneur in India on TikTok talking about his product, which is beamed to somebody in Asia, then comes back to the United States and an influencer in Cleveland says, you got to own this thing. That is amazing. Absolutely amazing. So culture without a doubt is, is, and I use the word trigger. Um, there are some very interesting studies about how emotions are made, but fundamentally make it really simple. When you have a significant emotional event, good, bad, or, or indifferent, it tends to leave a marker. 
And when you're in an environment where something is very similar and it triggers that event, you tend to react non-consciously to it. So we have money triggers that it felt good moving into Black Friday. It felt good standing in line with 200 people you don't know in the cold and the snow and the slush to get a discount on a TV. You know, it, it felt great to do that. So you do that. So culture is huge. The TV you don't need. Absolutely, because you've already got six of them. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, it. do you really need a 96-inch TV or a, I, I don't know what that is in centimeters. I'm a, one of oh, the few. Oh, no, but I, yeah, that's, that's a massive TV. <laughs> it's, it's massive. It's huge. Yeah. It is huge. So culture is very, very important. And then the last element I, I became very obvious to me is it's just the basic rules of money have changed. Our parents and grandparents lived in a completely different world from an economic point of view than we do. The products weren't there. The technology wasn't there. And one of the biggest game changers is life expectancy. Longevity is a game changer. When I was in a was in a planner, I used to plan to 100 at a minimum. So the dynamics that we built our financial literacy upon, that the financial industry is built on, is based on an analytical approach to success based on assumptions that most people don't deal with, meaning that they discount emotion. They discount how we think and feel about money. They discount the impact of belief set, discount the impact of culture, and they're generally using the same approach to financial success as they've used for the last 40 years. It's broken. You know, the one thing, I just wrote a note here as you were talking, was can the damage be undone? And the reason why I mentioned that is because we talk about Black Friday and we talk about people going to the mall and spending, spending, spending. And when they buy something, it's a trigger of desire in them. And that, whatever it is, is fulfilled. But then it ends and they need to go and fill that desire again. So they go out and buy something else. So they spend and spend, and then suddenly they've got these credit cards that there's money on them, but they end up paying more, 18, 20% on them. But there's that, there's a, there's a, like a line, which is desire. You can't, you're going to be screwed in a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that's the humanness. Um, what you're talking about is dopamine. Dopamine is that wonderful drug in our brain that, that gives us satisfaction and anticipation of an event. And we're driven by dopamine. Unfortunately, dop dopamine, is, is it goes away after a while. And I always use the example when you buy a new automobile, you know, you build it online now and the dopamine hits and you salivate and you feel good. You can almost smell the leather. And then you go to the dealership and slobber all over it. Then you go in and buy it and you buy it and you're so proud and you drive home, you know, at a snail's pace through the neighborhood, waving to everybody to know it's there. And when you go to the supermarket or the mall, you park two miles away so nobody damages your automobile. And then you wash it every weekend and wax it. Well, a week, months go by and now maybe you park a little closer to the mall. And then six months go by and the leather doesn't smell the same. And, you know, the dog's in the back seat. And, you know, a year from now, it's just a, it's a car. And, and your, your dopamine is already activated to take you someplace else. 
So that's how we are. We're human and we do this all the time. And what you what you described is why I wrote the book and it's all covered in part two, which I call the money behavior system to help us break out of this cycle. And, and it's almost like a, you know, a slap on the side of the head going, whoa, wait a minute. I never thought of it this way. It's simply common sense, but it's embracing who you are and building a strategy around who you are with money. I like the way in the second part of the book, you actually break it down in such basic English to base, to have the person who's reading to go, oh, I need to figure that out or I need to write that down or it's, it's like the strategy in it is like, it's mind changing. Like it's, you're, you're sort of developing something that you go, okay, which makes you look back at your checks and balances to see, are you on the right track? Yeah, absolutely. When I wrote the book, I wanted to write a book that was not an economics. This is not a book about money. I don't talk about money anywhere in the book. I don't talk about products. I don't talk about markets. There's no math. There's no graphs. It's all about people. And I use a metaphor of, of my protagonist, who's a basically the reader, in different spending events and how they react to it as a human being. And I write it in such a way that, that it puts you in the story and it asks you questions about what would you do? Have you ever been there? Um, this book is written for somebody who would never buy a book about money or economics, but should. And it's the book you should have written, read in school, but didn't. That's the thing. I think that's the the whole, the, the way things are changing and people are coming more aware and they're starting to, there, there is a, a, a cry out for help because people are screaming. And this is something that should be introduced in schools. It should be something that should be introduced at the, at you know, the boot camp in military school. Um, you know, there's all the elements that common sense. And you've said this to me before, common sense. It really is. And the, let me go through the model real quick. It begins with what I call money values. Money values ask the question, what will give you peace of mind in your chosen lifestyle? Well, in modern society, that that requires money. I mean, we are in a fiat-based, money-driven economy. Uh, barter doesn't work. Making change with a chicken at Starbucks is messy. And they it just doesn't work. So the question I ask, and this is different than goals. Goals are more stuff, and it's temporal. Where, where money values are those things that drive you forward that if it doesn't happen, it's going to cause anxiety. And, and if you really want to know what your money values are, I challenge you to take a look at your calendar and look at a bank statement. And where you spend your time and where you spend your money really define your non-conscious values. That's critical. And I've never been any place where in, in my financial planning career where anybody asked that question. It was always goals. Hey, I can get you a house. I can get you a car. Get you, to, you know, a vacation. Take your cruise. Those are temporal. But what, what in fact is important about money to you? And it's probably different from your partner, your spouse, your children. It's very unique to you. Once you understand your money values, where you want to go, then figure out how you think and feel about money. I call that your money temperament. It's just how you're naturally wired and everybody's wired a little differently. 
I don't care if you're a spender or saver. That's not the point. The point is you need to know. Because if you're wired as a spender, and I just mean that gives you emotional satisfaction, you get an emotional dopamine hit every time you walk into a store. That's fine. But that means you need a strategy that builds that natural behavior into your plan. On the other hand, you could be a chromudgeon, you know, Mr. Screw type of guy or gal and, and never want to spend any money. That can also be dysfunctional. So I'm not judging. You don't have to do this. You don't have to have a certain follow a certain model that we think everybody should do. It has to support your values. But once you understand what your values are and you're serious about it, you need to understand who you are with money, what makes you tick. I call it your natural money temperament. Once you understand your money temperament, the next step is discover, I call it your money knowledge. Now, money knowledge is not technical knowledge. That's a very small component of being successful. Money knowledge is how do you process information? When you're looking at money data, are you the type of person that loves spreadsheets and actually reads a small print on a perspective? Or are you the person that has never balanced a checkbook, has never taken a look at your, your perspectives, has no idea how money works? You need to know. Are you a visual learner? Are you a tactile learner? Do you like to touch it? Do you like to hear it? Because what's important here in consequential spending, and let me let me differentiate. I don't judge much when you know you run into a your your local co pub or, or coffee shop and you spend an incredible amount of money on designer gourmet something. Okay, fine. That's a treat. Unless you're doing it four or five times a day, you know, 365, that's a different issue. But, you know, the, the small throwaway, you know, 95 to 99% of our spending is, is non-conscious, automatic, and emotional. Okay. That also applies for more consequential spending. So when you're getting into consequential spending, something that has a long-term ramification, costs a lot of money, cars, houses, education, you know, major things... Then you've got to sit down and what I say is stop, count to five, have a little situational awareness, take a look at yourself and say, wait a minute, I am a spender by nature. I love it. So I know as soon as I walk into that car dealership, I'm going to be bombarded my senses with sights and smells and looks, and I am going to be very vulnerable. So I need to have a strategy when I go in there that I'm aware of it myself. I go from what I call your feeling brain, which is your primitive brain, to your thinking brain, your modern brain, and, and you stay there through the process to stay in control. Now, our, as humans, we like our feeling brain. It's fun. Our fun brain is the default. Our thinking brain, our modern brain, it takes a lot more energy and it's a, little bit, it's a lot more painful to stay there. So we don't like to stay there a lot. So, but you've got to have a situational awareness to say, okay, I'm going in, I've got a sheet, I've got a list, I've got something there that's going to keep me under control. I know what the boundaries are. I'm going to take somebody with me and they're going to kick me under the desk every time I do something stupid. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is, but it has to work for you. And then demand that the information, the money information be given to you a way that you process it, not the person giving it to you. And this is hugely important in the financial industry because financial folks tend to like the numbers, but most of their clients don't. So ask for a picture, ask for a graph, have it explained. I know we've we've come to the end. Um, there's so much information there that you've 
packed packed it in within the half an hour and the one thing that i'm my subconscious mind is saying to people out there get your head out of the sand absolutely get your head out of the sand you know i've i've scribbled a page of notes as we're talking and you know the one thing i would like people to take from this is why do i fear looking at my money that's why and if you know that's that paradigm shift that if they can do that it's life-changing for them yeah and accept it don't fight it and then don't don't try to be somebody you're not you need a one-size-fits-you approach which means you have an approach or strategy to money and a product plan that moves you towards your values based on your money temperament not somebody else's Ted, if someone wants to pick up the book or reach out to you, how can they meet up and have your wisdom? Share your wisdom, please. TedMcClyman.com is uh, my current author site, and I'm rebuilding it. It's going to be modernized, a little, little bit different, but it, it's working right now. And the book is available uh, internationally through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most major retailers. If if you just go in Ted McClyman, it's T-E-D-M-C-L-Y-M-A-N.com, you'll find it someplace. Yeah, I picked up the book on Book Depository, which is quite big in Europe as well. So that's where we, we picked a book, a book up on it. Ted, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I love it. Great information. And I think it'll it'll get a lot of people thinking about what they need to do about their money situation, especially as things are heating up in the in the financial arena as we speak as well. Ted, thanks for coming on to Dublin South FM. What if you could have a sustainable business without the liquidity concerns and make your company more profitable? Curious? Check out our tried and tested proven client acquisition formula. Go to www.joedalton.ie and book your free consultation now.